This is Like Trees Walking. I am Michael J. Nelson, along with Pastor Dave Berge. Hello, Hello there, Mike. Pastor Hi. Dave is live uh, to me. Live. He is live in can, the studio. You can touch me. Reach out and touch me. I can. Reach out and touch me. That's you haven't touched me since I've been over at your place. Well, you don't bring me flowers or <laughs> sing me love songs anymore either, but... Um, no, we're high atop, uh, like trees walking one, tower. One, like trees walking tower. Yep. In our beautiful studio here. Twin cities, Minnesota. Sponsored by Warehouser and purple mattresses and mailboxes, etc. And legal zoom. Stamps, <laughs> legal zoom, stamps.com. Uh, who else? Who else is, uh, frequently heard on you podcasts? You get, uh, you used to get a lot of, you know, Dra- you used to get a lot of the uh, fantasy, the daily fantasy sports ones. You remember, like those were big. I listened to some sports podcasts. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, so yeah. they have a lot of the daily fantasy, and then they were deemed illegal, and they they were yeah, like oh, I did they're not regulated. Know that. Yeah, you can only daily fantasy in certain states, huh. form of gambling. So, all right, and then well. they always have to go. If you're in Indiana, call one eight hundred. I'm a degenerate gambler. You know what I mean. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's not <clears throat> what we're not going to do. Any sports today? I don't think. Um, sports ball. Sports ball much? <laughs> oh, put the ball through the thing. Yay. We're not going to do that. I have so many sports takes. I do have so many sports takes, but we're not going to give those to you. No. Today. What we're it's going to do podcast. is this is the podcast where we talk about the big issues of life. We have not talked. Well, we have talked about them, but we have not done that live in quite some time. No. On our timeline, we did it about half an hour ago. <laughs> On your timeline, maybe a little more than a week ago. It's like our whole, this, during COVID, it's been like Narnia. You know, when you go into, through the wardrobe and into Narnia and it's been months mm-hmm. and months, but then we step out and it's like, I felt like that's stepping into your place today. Like I hadn't been here since, yeah, since late February, if I remember, but it felt just like, like you're, only a moment at Just passed. a moment. It was like yeah. a Christopher Nolan film. It was just, you're back. You're, he's time. He's time. It's always he's a time time. Guy? Yeah. Isn't he the Batman? No, I th- isn't he Batman? Yes, but even in those movies, there's weird time things. I have to go pay attention, though. Well, you know, Inception and... Uh, I have not seen Inception. Dunkirk. I have seen Dunkirk. Um, the, I like the, Dunkirk. The memory one, the loss of memory. Did he do Memento? Memento. Oh, yeah. So one of my... Oh. Amy, uh, Amy and I, early date, when my wife and I were dating, we watched Memento in like my apartment. Were you constantly throwing looks over at like, her, like do you is get she it? getting this? <laughs> That's better be. I had uh, seen. I had seen it before. Yeah. It's a good movie. I do like. Because uh, um, the actor who's in that, I forget his name. Uh, Gee, uh, uh, guy, guy something. or Gee? Oh, I think it's Guy, but Guy Ritchie. No, not um, a Gee something. A gay I don't guy. Know. But he was in L.A. Confidential, which I yes. thoroughly. That's a great movie. Well. And he's Australian, as well as of course um, Russell Crowe, and Christopher. Nolan. No, is Christopher Nolan Australian? Christopher Nolan is British, I believe. Uh-huh. He and his brother make the films, I think. Okay. His last one bombed, but you kind of have to blame the fact yeah. that there's no theaters. <laughs> Literally no one can go see a movie. Yeah. So anyway, what we do on this... The room might have done better box office. <laughs> well, well, we have... Well, no, I'm not going to talk about it. Okay. I'm just going to say that it would be fun if if I was the top box office coming up in a, in a little bit. We have a we have a show coming out. That people can go see? That people can go see. <laughs> I'm going to go see it in the movie theater. In the theaters. I'll wear my Jabba suit. That's like a mask. Yeah, that's right. Oh, those were happier times. Happier times. <laughs> I was just looking back on pictures. Like that's like a year ago that we were doing that. So, 
Good heavens. Anyway, no, we talk about the big issues of life. We do it from a Christian perspective. However, many of our listeners, I would guess, don't share that. No. We, we are happy in that. We're happy to entertain all ideas. And uh, yeah, so we, we thrash these things out. Dwight um, David thrashed them out. Oh, you calling keep pulling back on. other <laughs> podcasts that people don't listen to. Very... And speaking of time, Christopher Nolan trucks through it. Just Oh, gosh. Wow. You're, well, you're trying to ruin this podcast. <laughs> right. All right, so we'll get to the big topic in a minute. But one of the important things is, talk about being back after a while. Uh, later on, I got a new shipment, very exciting deal, where I'm part of the, uh, I was gifted for my a, a recent birthday, a fish of the tin fish of the month club that exists. It certainly does, and uh, so we have something high end, very high end. So it's not like I've been giving you the dregs. It's just that maybe this will change your mind, right? It's like, like if I once I taste a good tin fish, maybe that'll. Yeah, I mean, I think they've been good, but this is truly like a Cadillac. This is, you know, I think we're talking at least. A twenty dollar can of wow. fish, okay. you know, so it's a serious leap up from okay. the two, three, four, five, seven dollar range. We're taking a giant leap now. The um, speaking of, uh, I was just reflecting the other day with a friend on those, uh, you know, subscriptions. Do you remember those thirteen CDs for like a cent? Things that Columbia they used? House. Yes, sure. What of course was they do. was that a scam? What was? Yes, that? it was a scam. It was a scam in that. Somehow they, they were able to, through a loophole, they got the licensing for them. But what they did is they used inferior, in the days of at least uh, physical media, they were using inferior record pressings and inferior tape manufacturers. And okay. <laughs> it's kind of like the there was that weird loophole. Remember the KTEL, which I think was founded in, in here in Minneapolis. KTEL was like... Uh, 20 explosive hits by 20 explosive stars. And then it was just the hits of the day on a record, but all thrown together on okay. one, right? Yeah. And you could do it because it was a compilation and you weren't breaking anyone's copyright. So you just could do it and then pay them their royalty based on sort of just a standard fee instead of what they actually sold. Weird. Yeah. So they could just do that. The, the moment the song was out, there would be another an album with a whole bunch of hits on it. And you go, well, I'll just do that then. I won't buy it. So anyway, I believe that the Columbia Record Club was a similar scam where you could get away with sort of licensing the songs and then putting them on inferior. And it was like, th- and then media. and then they'd get you, but it was a subscription because you'd get like the thirteen for one cent, and then they'd get they get you stuck. Right? Yeah, like you keep subscribing, and then you pay the monthly. Pay. I believe once my my brother did this, <laughs> and he got a threatening letter from Columbia House, like we're going to sue you. And he brought it, you know, panicked to my father. And my father said, well, did you did you cancel it? He's like, yeah, I canceled it. He's like, well, then whatever they said, you just keep it. And uh, he said, we can't do that. They're going to arrest me. He's like, no, they, first of all, you're a kid. <laughs> and secondly, they can't pull the scam on you. So just keep it. And they'll eventually stop sending you something. And we were like, that is mind blowing. My dad's a wizard. And of course, it turned out to be true, and nothing happened. And you know, I once got a threatening letter because of like a we used a Creative Commons image without attribution for like a church event, like advertisement. Sure. And so yeah. you know, of course, I find out, I take it down. You know, but they're like, send us five hundred dollars, and I was like, oh, God. oh, geez. Oh. And and I was told someone did some looking through the service that they did it through, and they're like, all the people, all the photographers are complaining that they never collect. Yeah. So then I was like, yeah, I'm 100% not doing yeah. that. You know? yeah. And now we only use 
we were tried to be very careful about using non-copyrighted images and attributing where there was a Creative Commons license. But now we just go to uns- like we just go to the free yeah. unsplash.com yeah. and there's never a problem. Snippet. Sure, there's never a problem when you use things that have no copyright and you can use them. But that threatening letter did scare me. I'm I'm in the middle, and someday my my book will come out. Right now, I'm covered with the uh, uh, NDAs. <laughs> I've just I've signed hundreds of them, but. There are so many fascinating stories of weirdos suing me and my company in so many different ways. And we're in the middle of a just a, a doozy, just a side splitter right now, just oh. an absolute doozy that, uh, again, can't talk about. I can't about. wait, Mike, till that, that day comes when you're It's a terrible from. thing to have to tell people who are listening who are like, I, I want to hear the interesting thing. And now you're going to go talk about something less interesting. Sorry. But sorry, that's the, that's the nature of the podcast. So let's do it. Let's get into the big topic. Our big you, topic. You brought it in. I did bring it. You uh, tell us what it is. Well, it's 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 timely, in many ways. But in in many ways, it's time. It touches on some timeless, timeless issues. And the the question that I'm going to bring this is like those intelligent squared debates. Uh, we like to be provocative in our in our questions, though we try not to hot take. But is social media, Mike? Is it evil? Is the uh, is the proposition we will be debating today? Why it's timely? I mean. There is the new Netflix documentary. Uh, what is it called? The Social Dilemma? I don't know. I was going to wow. watch it a couple weeks ago, and I th- said there's enough bad news in my life. I already know, and this is spoiler alert, yes, I think that social media is largely <laughs> evil. It is called The Social Dilemma. Okay. It it's, is a social dilemma. It's a Netflix original documentary that you can watch um, that has you know gone viral. Mm-hmm. In the man, you know, in, in the manner that these things do, lots of people have been watching it, and talking about it. But this is a topic that's much broader because social media has been, at least in my life, since two thousand five, I believe, is when I joined the Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Facebook then, but it used to be, you know, they would add your um, university if you had a at, you know, uh, university right. email yeah, address. Yeah. So they finally got around to at umn.edu. Um, in two thousand five, I had graduated recently. But my wife was still uh, doing her her postgraduate year, and so like you know, we got on the Facebook. I remember getting on it um, right away, and, and it has changed. Oh, it has changed. So you're never a MySpace person. No, I was not a MySpace person at all. I remember I was doing youth ministry, and there were kids who had MySpaces. It was, it seemed trashy to me even then. Like I I didn't like the aesthetic of it. It wasn't even a. Um Oreo Hydrox situation. No, yeah. Which I learned, by the way. Did you know that I didn't Oreo know hy- is a high is a knockoff? Yes, of of Hydrox. And I always I thought the reverse. For Everyone the longest thinks time. that because Hydrox are terrible. They and are Oreos are delicious. <laughs> it's like oh yeah, you always go because you thought the one had to be the generic Oreo because it's so much worse. Yeah, I mean, I I say that I actually don't have that opinion, but that's generally held. I, as, I have the correct opinion that is generally held. I don't. I have no opinion on the matter. <laughs> I will say the Heinz Hunts thing. Yeah. Hunts. Hunts is better. I can't. We'll have to do a taste. We'll maybe do a comparative taste okay. test someday. That's another. On the next, like freeze walking. Heinz or Hunts? Yes. Um, hot, hot I do like Heinz, but we just, we buy the generic ketchup anyways. But anyways, uh, we digress. Just to say that uh, this technology, uh, which has come to, I mean, these are some of the most valuable, you know, big tech. It's in the news. It's influence over our so many aspects of our life, of our economy, and these are billions and billion dollar companies. 
um, you know, Silicon Valley. Over politics. Oh, uh, they have over. so much. Yeah, politics, popular culture. Um, I mean, the discourse. So much of what is constitutes news, you could say, is just journalists on tr- Twitter looking for what other people are saying on Twitter and then covering that. Mm-hmm. You know, so Twitter itself is. I think, especially Twitter, is a though it's you know much less popular than say Facebook or something um, in terms of user base. Um, it generates an inordinate amount of content and coverage and news itself um, just on the platform. Yes. And so it's kind of this, uh, yeah, it's this take machine and it's this news machine that is just perpetually spinning these things out. Though didn't knock it over. Um, but so, you know, like, and um, especially in the era of COVID now, so many of our relationships are mediated um, through these, uh, these social media platforms. And we recognize, too, that they have some properties that are troublesome. Um, and, and is there, in you know, this is from a Christian perspective, so I, I, we are going to not just reflect. I'd want to not just reflect on are they good or bad, but, you know, how can we think perhaps um, theologically about these platforms? But just to say that they are addictive. Um, they uh, reward certain types of communication and behavior and discourage other ones. And, and so what is the, yeah. Um, what are they? What is their effect? Why are they, why are they evil? Why are they not evil? Are they just a tool? Mike, we're just going to throw that out there. And you, you're someone who is, I believe not on any. I am not on any. Okay. That's correct. So I, I would like you in a second to state why you are not on them, why you think they're evil. And I'll say just up front, full disclosure, I'm on many of them. Sure. I am on the Facebook. I am on the Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Sure. I'm even on LinkedIn. Like now, I'm not, gonna, I'm not active on LinkedIn, but I do have a LinkedIn account. Is there any human who's active on LinkedIn? There's. It's a sad. It's kind of like you're. A, this is going to sound bad, but I'm just going to go with it. It's kind of like people who are trying to like. It seems almost like a fake inspirational or motivational speaker. That seems to be like if you want to be like a, like a. Like a fake Zig Ziglar or like uh, a Tony Robbins, that LinkedIn is like maybe where you go, you know, hmm. to yeah. do that. I don't, I've never know. I've That's just, my stereotype. Sure. LinkedIn. Sure. I just always assumed when I got the so and so's invited you to LinkedIn, LinkedIn, you know, it makes you that low level nervousness at first, like, <laughs> well, I do know that person. <laughs> then you realize you talk to someone like, no, 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 no. That it just automatically is entire email book and then you know his contact list and then it just keeps hitting you every two days like yeah it feels like he's really after me (laughs) it feels like if you're on linkedin like you lost a job yeah which i mean if you lost a job that sucks and i want you to find one but linkedin has a there's kind of a desperate old gill needs to make it there's a stink of desperation (laughs) about that one Uh, on the linkedin but uh, i'm not on tiktok i'm familiar with it i'm not on snapchat uh but i'm you know i'm familiar with vine i was on vine i once produced a vine I synced footage from a Michigan State bowl game with where the punter just got destroyed with that old wrestling. I forget his name. Like, by God, that guy was like, he broke him in half. That wrestling announcer guy. I put these clips together. Got like 50, over 50,000. Would you consider that your finest moment? On social media, it's probably it's, it's, it's the most viral I've ever gone for anything. For you, sure. 100%. You know that my, uh, my uh, co-host on another podcast... Uh, 372 pages. Lust- the great Connor Lestoka. Connor Lestoka. He, he made his bones. He got his job. I met him because he made a viral video of uh, the Bill Buckner uh, call 
uh, he put that on uh, the Nintendo baseball game, whatever he like. Uh, yeah, I can think. He played uh, like thousands of hours of it to get everything to happen exactly as it happened in the game, and then synced up the sound to it and posted that and got you know millions of views. And that's how he got hired at the company that I met him at. Was my now CEO saw it and was like, I like what that kid. You know, he I like took the some cut of his gym. I'll hire him to do something. And so then a couple months later, wow. I met him. Yeah, wow. So I believe it's still up and still garnering views. We'll go look for Tecmo Baseball, Bill Buckner. And yeah, I, I, this is not the Connor show, but it's just <laughs> it's, it's just a funny thing. Uh, he also started High Five Day. I was aware of that that yeah. he did start National High Five Day. National High Five Day is, is an invention of he and. Maybe one other gentleman. I don't. I can't remember. Well, Maybe two. Now, elbow bump day. <laughs> yes. So social media. That there you go. It has. It got some, him a job. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but to say that. Um, so all right. Social media. These platforms. These technologies. These media. These media of interacting with one another. Uh, Mike, you're not on them. I'm on. I am not on them. Yes. Why are you not on them? Why? Why did you opt out of something that is ubiquitous? And you're. You know, you're a talent. you got to reach people. Why have you gotten out of that? Because um, you were on them. You were on Twitter. You I, were was, Twitter I was on them. Um, I thought that it was a good tool to just – I did nothing but put jokes out there. I think I eventually got to that. There may be some – you could probably find an instance where I didn't do a joke or I said something to someone else. Or I, But largely, I just did jokes, and then I would just put them on Facebook. Had no interaction with anyone to speak of. I just thought that, well, as long as if people want to do it, it's like getting the joke of the day or whatever. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, then you sometimes you get pulled into all the other stuff. And I realized it was making me sad to see people that I knew acting like jackasses uh, and seeing them being influenced in ways that is like, I know that person. I know they wouldn't say those things to anyone's face. So this is a weird, why does everyone go on these social media things and do uh do this kind of behavior it, there must be something inherently about it that causes people to do it and i i've likened it to many things one of them being uh in minnesota when the weather gets cool like it's about to and the windows start to get rolled up completely it's okay to, to swear at people and treat them poorly as they drive past you and do something wrong whereas when the windows are open you'd just go sorry man and they'd go hey no problem nice day huh sure is see you later uh, there's this anonymity and everything that causes people to their worst parts of them come out and the worst parts of them then are manipulated on a daily basis and crunched by, you know, with supercomputers to make them behave even worse. Right. And so that's my reason for, I don't even not only want to participate in it. I don't even look at it or, and then, uh, my wife who's on will occasionally dip in, will say, oh, you know what I saw? on, And I was like, no, 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 no. Nope, I do not. I, if I wanted to know, I would be on it. I don't want to know. Like, but don't you want to hear what so-and-so? Like, nope, I don't want to. So that's that's my stance. Mm. That's probably a wise stance. The I would say that I have had to be um, do a lot of curating, especially my fa- like especially by Facebook in the sense of, like, there are so many people that I know in real life who I – there's – there's no people who I know in real life that I like more because I've seen more of their thoughts yes. on, I mean, this is, I'm just being brutally honest. This is true. Um, like, you know, if you wanted to know what someone thought about something, you used to have to like 
talk about it or get to know someone. And then in the course of conversation, there's dialogue, there's ways that you can couch thing or, you know, like the, the, uh, you know, people liken it to a tool. Well, it's just a tool, you know, it's a hammer is neither good nor bad. You can use it to right. build a house or, you know, break someone's skull in like, and I don't, th- I think that, yes, obviously they're both technology in the sense that they're both, you know, that comes from the Greek word for, um, hand, which means, you know, they're, they're man-made they're, they're These are human made things. Um, however, uh, there is a, um, there is a, like a hammer doesn't sit around going, Hey, use me. Use me, use me. You know, you haven't used me in twenty minutes. Ah, you know, like that. That there is a um, that they are just these distraction machines. Yeah. Um, and the hammer doesn't also go like you're missing out. These other guys are using the hammer and they're killing it, man. <laughs> they're crushing it. Ooh, look at this guy just got a oh, bunch of use for using yes. the hammer. Yeah. So they, uh, yeah. So that these these tools are engineered towards a particular end. Um, and what is that? You know, a hammer has a, a telos. It has a purpose with which it's built in order to, to hammer in a nail. So I think we have to ask a couple of questions when we're interrogating these, these bits of social technology. Um, we have to say, you know, what are, what, to what, what purpose were they created for? And what's kind of the, uh, the anthropology behind them? Like what vi- vision do they have of a human person? Um, and because when I think theologically, there's a certain theological anthropology that as a Christian I have for people, you know, what, um, human beings are created in God's image and likeness. They're sinful, broken, and fallen, um, and redeemed, uh, through the work of Christ. Uh, for, and, and I, you know, when we know him, believe in him, trust in him, belong to him, filled with his spirit to then go out and, 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 and flourish in the world. You know, it's captured in the old, I've mentioned this before, but what is the chief end of man? The Westminster Shorter Catechism. That's the first question. I think it's beautifully encapsulated it's the purpose of human life to glorify god and to enjoy him forever and so um the purpose behind all that we do is is to be for the glory of god um and and you know the human enjoyment of him and and um, another way to say it is uh i forget who said it but um <clears throat> some saint other you know some some saint. some saint ignatius whatever blah 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 um, uh, you know what is the glory of god is a human being fully alive now it's so kind of human flourishing you damianism i think is the the you know philosophical fancy name that that the theory of ethics or of, of human life goes by so like that that the 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 end of all of these tools that we create is supposed to be sort towards some sort of um, uh, human flourishing um, under God and what is the uh, so what is the teleology and the anthropology that's behind these tools I don't know that there is a particular anthropology or one that's thought through I think initially it's to con- maybe it starts with an idea well. We should connect people. People should be connected uh, to one another, um, which it's all fine and well and good, and, and, and maybe you want to do that. But the question then always becomes, well, the purpose of these things is to make somebody money, right? So connecting people might make you money. It might not make you money. And so you, we have the best, brightest minds in the world trying to figure out not, you know, not just how to connect people, but but how to get your attention um, as much, and this is in the social dilemma, uh, as much of your attention as possible. Um, mm-hmm. And that is the purpose and goal for which these are engineered because then they can sell your attention to advertisers and they can make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so that that I that's my understanding of why social media exists. It exists to get my attention in order to sell my attention to advertisers and they are really good at it and 
they will get they there's no limit to the amount of my attention that they want to get right like i don't think there's a limiting principle to no to no they don't they no one at the company is saying you know what we're getting too much of it uh, of their attention throttle it back because we found that that's unhealthy and i think they play too when you talk um, and we both mentioned this about the kind of behaviors that we've seen it rise up in other people and i'm sure never in myself this is, <laughs> I'm sure it hasn't brought pure, the worst in pure me. Pure as the driven snow. Um, you know, but I'm sure other people have like me left. I really try to be very banal and um, not put my, much out there uh, in my social media posts. But all that to say, like, that they, they don't care. You know, they, they found, um, you know, a true theological anthropology behind this. Would go, you know, people can be pretty awful. There's a deep sinfulness and brokenness in people that we can play into, Um. And now it's going to get more attention. It's going to get more of their attention and the more attention of other people. Now it's going to be worse. It's going to make them a worse version of themselves. It's going to be bad and awful. But the end goal is to is to get more of your attention to monetize that. And so they found that basically playing into some of the worst aspects of people, their insecurity, right? Like the guy even, and some of this is by accident, the guy who talks about who made the like button said, we want to spread joy and positivity into the world, you know, by getting people to give it a thumbs up. Well, then they discovered that not getting liked <laughs> led to, dep- you know, people were getting depressed yeah. and feeling terrible. Or, you know, if let's say you get more and more, you get more and more of people's attention and time, but you also find that it decreases their happiness and makes people more, you know, anxious and depressed and isolated. Are you really as a company going to go, hey, we want to design, we want to design this thing so that it like we're seeing this negative effect so we're actually going to disrupt this so that they won't have this no there's no incentive or motivation to do this for them and so um their incentives don't align towards that at all and so there's no way for them to kind of when they see bad things happening i think of negative polarization um you know which we see increasingly in this country drives people's attention towards politics and actually the people who are what's i've seen things where people who are less like who can who are less into politics are basically kind of like overlap on the partisanship scale and polarization scale like people did 15 16 20 years ago they're not actually like normies who are not into that stuff but people who are hyper attuned consumers of news are driving the they're driving the negative polarization they're so far apart you've seen them move dramatically over since the late 1990s this is astounding so you just see that impact that's happening. You see, uh, Jonathan Haidt is in this. He's, he wrote a great book called The Righteous Mind. He's uh, at NYU, I believe. And they interview him and he just talks about, yeah, you see a, su- a surprising rise in teenagers' levels of depression and anxiety. And it coincides right with what? When basically iPhones become ubiquitous devices that kids have and then they have access to social media. And the negative effects that come that on when people, you know, when they're in their, t- especially like preteen years, my gosh. And being a youth pastor, I saw some awful behavior. Um, that young, especially young teenagers, 12, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old would do to each other the kind of mean bullying, this cruelty that would be exhibited. And you can just see like, it's bad for the person who's on the receiving end, but also for the people who are doing that, that, that is malformative for them. And, you know, used to be your aunt or uncle or grandma had mom, dad had to send you that crazy email forward. Well, now, like (laughs) now the whole thing is an email forward. And and so, yeah, all that to say that there's a, um, there's no, the, the, 
there's at least not a clearly stated teleology of these social technologies to which the companies themselves could hold them be held accountable to. This is for that. And there's a, they, there's a, the theological anthropology of human beings as, as fallen people that actually play into the worst aspects of those and make us worse people. And that is profitable towards them. And so from a theological perspective, I think that's why they are highly defective. Um, and tend towards evil in many cases. One now they they know this now. I don't think there's anyone who I mean they know this within the company. Yeah. What's interesting to think about, and I don't know whether this doc gets into it. At what point is it actionable in terms of their? I'll give you an example: smoking or uh, asbestos industry. Both started with just they didn't like we're going to kill a bunch of people. We're going to give them diseases of the lungs. They obviously they started mining asbestos because it has a, serves a purpose, and they then they discovered later, oh, this is really bad that for people, people to breathe in. Cancer. Yeah. Well, they hit it, and they you know, and they there there's no such thing as a there's just a giant trust of that pays out money to people who have mesotheliomia. That's an example mm-hmm. of that. It was shut down completely because it's so harmful. I mean, at what point do they recognize depression rates and everything are skyrocketing among kids and they're, they're amping it up more? They're not. And I just wonder, is it at some point actionable to say, hey, you knew this, you, uh, you kept it up and increased it and played into it more. Um, shut them down. Well, you do see, I mean, you see the, um, you see a move towards a lot of talk, I think even on the right and the left about regulation of these companies. And so that's kind of the solution, the solution portion of the documentary they talk about. Well, we need to, we need to regulate big tech. Now they don't get into any, what any sort of regulation regime or something like that would look like to delve into those ideas, the, the pros and cons, um, you know, of, of, of the approaches of the trade-offs that you have to take. But I think that, you know, enough of us know, um, that these things are, they're bad. We see the bad effects. We see what they're we see what they're doing. They're so central, though. I mean, this is the hard part. You opted out, and um, here's another just dilemma I want to raise because I I think you're smart for doing that in many ways. That you're probably a happier person. For, oh, I am for, for having, sure for having done that. I mean, and, and I, I just want to say parenthetically, I'm not. I'm I'm asking. I hate to be Jesse Ventura. I'm just asking <laughs> questions here, people. <laughs> I'm not fudging that. I'm I'm saying, is that a a thing? And so there'll be libertarians out there going. Oh no! People can do whatever they want. What? Who the hell are you to tell them to regulate? You know, like but, you whatever. Know, I understand the argument. I'm just saying we can't worry so, about the libertarians. Yeah. All right. Like, continue. Freeways, but um, <laughs> the, um, like yeah, the, the that there is a libertarian streak which you can recognize and understand. You know, we want don't want government telling us everything to do. Blah yeah, blah blah right. blah blah blah. Okay, I get that 100. Um, and at the same time. You know, here I am. I'm a I'm a pastor, okay, of a church, and uh, especially in in the COVID era, where I mean, yeah, okay, people can come to our church, but they have to wear a mask and they can't sing or recite and they have to sit far apart. So it's a crap, much worse version of going to church. Um, and I understand why the vast majority of people opt to watch it on the internet. Um, but so you know, I'm called to reach people where they are, Mike. Well, the people are on the internet and they're on the social media platforms. And so how can I reach them if I'm not willing to go where they are? And so this is my social dilemma. Mm-hmm. 
to bring it back to the name of that. I saw your eyes widen when I, I got. That. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I hope that podcast Mike captured my. It eyes did. Widening. It did. It that's my it. social. But Mike is that good. It can. Uh, pick it up. Uh, that's my. So- <laughs> yeah. So what do I do? You know, because um, I do think in many ways, and I will say, especially Twitter, it's very addictive because it's like this feed. It's like this news feed, and I don't produce content. I do not slang tent out there for the people you know but it's a, it's like this interesting news feed that it's a it's a dopamine hit you know like uh, it really keeps me from being bored which it, I, I am the classic like i'm pulling the slot machine mike i'm, I'm sitting there i'm at the ho-chunk casino you've, you've got you've got augustine mike, around I'm you pulling and... the sl- mike i'm pulling the slot machine okay man i'm not above it all i'm pulling the slot machine but this is where the people are. That's what I'm telling myself. I can't just get off, Mike. It's where the people are. How can I reach the people if I'm not where the people are? What do you say to that? Well, I look, I'm sympathetic to that. I have many friends who are trying to, you know, let's say they're trying to get into the arts. They're trying to establish themselves in whatever aspect of the arts. And, like, that's how I reach people. That's my outlet to the people. I'm sympathetic to that. I get that. And they, go, and they say to me, well, you already have you have an established business. So I hear that. I, I don't know. I, I can only say that I had the ability to shut it off. I probably would have anyway because I'm a contrary son, yeah. son of a gun yeah. anyway. So, but if you're not and if you're scared and you're trying to feed your fan, I don't know what to say to that. I don't know. I would say I, I would try to mitigate it, the negative effects as much as I possibly could recognize your own uh, dopamine hits and the way that you're being manipulated and try to hold those off as much as you can. Um, You know, is there a way to auto post without looking at things seriously, without getting sucked into it? I don't know. But, uh, you know, just just hands off. Just keep your hands off and use the the medium in a way that is the most sterile way you can use it. Make it as much like a hammer as you can. I'm, you know, in terms of this, yeah. like, make it as much of a tool as you can. And I, I mean, I do not, like, I am preaching myself here. So, uh, like, I just think of the worst aspects that it played into me was I can see someone's life, like, man, they're a train wreck. This person is like, they're, cr-. I mean, I can't tell you how many instances I had where, you know, hate reading, but sort of like the Schadenfreude, sick aspect of like, this is bad. Like, something is happening in someone's life. Now, it's not like they're, I'm not laughing at someone dying or something like that or breaking their leg. But like this person who you kind of were like, "Eh, they kind of bug me, you know, misfortune coming their way. There is a sick pleasure that schadenfreude. That's That's the reason that's a word. Yes. Yeah. That I sick pleasure that I take in that. And it's like, well, that's not that's not good. No, that's not like a positive trait in me that I want to be. But the algorithm. See, I mean. You know, it knows, the supercomputer knows on the other side that, like, this gets this person's attention. So let's feed this person more of uh, this content. Yes, and it's not only, like, okay, name, uh, all right, if you said, you know, Brad Pitt clearly got drunk at midnight and started posting this, that you got to see this, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people would go, I, I have to. I, I know this is going to be a waste of my time, but I'm going to go see it. But this is even more insidious. It's... uh 
it's person. It's not just Brad Pitt. It's someone they know or something they know so much about you crossing at so many intersections. Like we've got this person. There is no way they're not going to click on this. This lights up so many of their buttons. Mm -hmm. They're taking the bait on this. It's, you know, you are, you are known by these companies more than you know yourself. Yeah. And so, and they play off that. And then the next time you click on it, they learn even more. And then you look at something else and they learn even more. And I don't know, that, uh, that makes me shiver. They know so much. Yeah. So much about, I mean, and people talk about this all the time where they go like, I mean, it must be like, listen, you know, people go like, it's listening to me, you know, the device. Cause some, like I talked about you know, yeah, X, Y, yeah. or Z, and then all of a sudden an ad popped up. And it's like, do I think these things are listening? I'm not going to discount that possibility totally. You know, they, these things do have microphones, whatever. Uh, but I don't think that they're actively doing that. Uh, maybe call me naive. However, they just know that based on your what you look at. Your It just shows you how much data they have that it can seem like it's listening to you. Yes. You know? But what made me laugh is I went to the, had the DMV experience recently. Three and a half hours or whatever, you know, wait, waiting line. The first two hours outside, you know, it was a cool morning. <sighs> All of that. I get inside. I've got the folder full of material. And then I had one of the forms was wrong. Like, we can't accept this form. And it's just the the whole comic thing of like, look, you know me more than I know. You have so much information about me. So, But I'm filling out a form where I'm like taking a pencil and putting it in the boxes like, would you just look at your database? Mm. You, we know that you have so much information on me. It's just funny that you, you go through the whole comic thing of waiting in a line and filling out another form. Like I, I went, I, I'm on the uh, the known traveler list, right? Yes. You got to go in with pretty much everything. You got to, you know, yank your pants down, and you got to do an interview with a, a trained assassin and everything. Oh, it's like I, I have gotten. So, look, you know, you know me now. You don't need any more information about me. Nothing's changed. It's all the same since you interrogated me and knocked me around in that office. But it's just funny that uh, our government, which knows more about us they than know any time in history, but I think that. The big tech companies know more more about us even than the government. Oh, I think so because at least there's a there's a comic uh, sort of pretend we don't know you from the government. Yeah, We're like we can't openly share this. We we do, but we can't really say it. Whereas and, the tech companies are just like and the oh. tech. You know, they they have a in order to get money, the tech companies have to be really 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 good at this. You know. Yeah. The government doesn't have the exact; they don't have the same incentive structure, you know, to to pull that off in the same in the same way in terms of mining and the algorithm and then delivering that content to you. And so I would say, yeah, as we you know, as we have to use these, or as we think about reaching people where they are, it's like um, think about what it, what do you want to get? Like, what do you want to get out of this thing? Um, and what are the perverse incentives that are built into it? I think interrogating. I've used that word before, but I mean, really thinking about, okay, Instagram, well, posting pictures. All right. Like there's something cool about sharing pictures and posting them with other people. There's something fun about that. Um, but then there's the like cure, then you start curating an image of yourself, the temptation to just put out the best. And then the temptation also, it breeds envy and jealousy towards other people because their lives seem better and more fun mm -hmm. and they're prettier and have a better family than you do, you know, and then there's the Christians on Instagram with their Bible and their scone and their coffee and their journal open. You know what I mean? There's sort of a, uh, there's just this, there's a, a performative aspect to so much of it. Sure. That breeds kind of a false 
image of yourself and a false self and all lots of envy and jealousy or malice. Think of your vices, you know, um, the, there's the virtues, the seven cardinal virtues and the seven deadly vices and how many of those are uh, exacerbated by the social media and how do they do that? How do they go about it? And yeah, Mike, as you said, how can you make this as neutral, as hygienic, you know, as possible realizing at the end of the day, you know, that it is your, like your goal might be to reach people where they are. You, the technology's goal is not that Hmm. does not share your goal, does not share your purposes, does not share your end. In fact, might actively fight against that. And so to be eyes wide open when you go into that and realize that it can, you're fighting the supercomputers, man. Like, so even your ability to reach people where they are, it might, (laughs) make you into someone else as you're reaching them Mm -hmm. you know and are you okay with that are you okay with well you know i'm not reaching people being david berge so if i'm like a slightly more obnoxious version of myself i reach more people and when you start making those trade-offs and justifying that i think the game is up Mm -hmm. and you've already you've already given up the game and it and it's sick and twisted and it might just be a uh you know it might be a furic Victory, it might, it might be a Sisyphean task. I'm sorry, that's more what I was looking for. Like, you're, yes. nev- you're not like actually going to be able to do it. And maybe we need to, what would Wendell Berry say? I don't know. Who's the, Wendell Berry? The great Wendell Berry, the gentleman farmer. Sort of a, uh, he's a very influential author, author uh, Christian guy who, uh, uh, very critical of like modern mechanized society. Oh, okay. And, and the, I was thinking of the guy who wrote Peter Pan. Is that Barry? Uh, Something that's Barry and Barry. No, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Mary and Barry. No, I'm sorry. I don't know who wrote Peter Pan. I can't remember. Okay. I believe it's Barry. Okay. No, yeah. Wendell Barry is the gentleman farmer. You know, he was very successful, but then left, kind of went and moved out and farmed and got back in touch with kind of, he's he's very popular um, writer, but kind of social critic, cultural critic of, of modern American life um, and sort okay. of our sense of like disconnectedness from the fruits of our labor and production and community all these sorts of sure. sorts of things sure anti-social media guy i'm sure i feel like there's much more to say maybe we should save it for part two there could be a part two mike if you're feeling a part i mean we're not gonna we should stop now but we should stop now but yeah i do i feel like there's a, a lot to say about it i think we've scratched the surface <sighs> i'm scratching a surface right I now. Could, maybe the mic picked that up who knows these are good mics yeah they are um but uh, let's take a little break we'll hear an appeal from the pastor And I will be preparing, while he does that, I will be preparing a delicious top shelf fish. Let's call it the Wagyu beef of fish and see if that can turn you around. This has been my multi-year project. So Wagyu is better than Kobe? Uh, I believe they're so similar. I think Wagyu is the Japanese thing and maybe Kobe is the breed or vice versa. Please don't. Uh, anyway, they're both very <laughs> okay. tender and fatty meats, and mm-hmm. this this will be the the fish version of Wagyu slash Kobe. Um, but after we hear from the pastor, hey everyone, it is Pastor Dave here, and uh, thank you so much for listening. We're talking here about social media, so you know. Speaking of social media, you can follow us on Twitter at LTWPod or at David underscore Berkey. Um, and uh, there is a at Michael J. Nelson, and it sells purses. It has nothing to do with him <laughs> since Mike gave that up. But you can buy a purse from, uh, or at least you could uh, in the recent past. Uh, you can also uh, follow us on Facebook. That group, uh, we, we just try to put things out. And if there is a way, that's probably the best way to actually um, connect 
with us. We've had some great people reach out over the years. So I, I don't want to shut that down in terms of if the purpose of Facebook is to connect you with people who you otherwise uh, might not know. Um, I feel like we've at least in that avenue been able to curtail it and we're not out there just you know selling garbage. Um, and even Twitter has facilitated many wonderful interactions and very few unpleasant ones for me. So I appreciate that. All right. Well, let's get back to the show. And please, if you can share this, rate us, review us on iTunes. Um, podcast remains pure. The one pure area. Social technology. You can just get It's like the radio, but on the internet. And so we appreciate that. We'll get back to, uh, we'll get back to the show and some fish tasting. All right. Hey. We, are, we are back. And uh, let us uh, delay this no longer. It's time to to get Pastor Dave on board with the good fish. Now, this is uh, from the a tinned fish of the month club. I don't know who it's from. I, I can maybe I'll get that information. That'd be but, very helpful information. I just well, but I know what the brand is, so it doesn't matter. You can get this. You, this is available online. This is uh, Ortiz brand. <laughs> Uh, Benito del Norte. This is the white tuna. This is one of their most popular. This is highly rated if you look for it, even on Amazon or what have you. And uh, and so, uh, Pastor Dave. It does. Going, it smells like tuna. Yeah. Well, it is tuna, so that's good. So far, we're on track. And you know, I've never I've never been a big tuna guy. <laughs> that shocks me. But shocks. it is on a cracker, which is my favorite. So we have his favorite food and his. One of his least favorite foods, so he's going in. This like, do you ever eat like a tuna, like tuna fish sandwich? That was like a complete like, no way I'm eating that. Um, or tuna salad? Oh my gosh! Well, how else would you eat it? Do you eat tuna fish just like on bread with just coming out of the can? No, like isn't a, it always a salad, as they say? Yeah, uh, the tuna. A little yeah. bit of celery, a little bit of celery, onion, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But I that's do like no, a, no, that's a no. Tuna in. I've had like. Sushi with tuna, that's good. Well, yeah, but this is cooked. So Yeah. Yeah, all right. So here we go. I'm going to describe. Some oil on it. All right, here so we he's go. eating the cracker. So this has the oil. This has the olive oil. And uh, this is sort of the Cadillac of, you know, the Italians like their, they like their tuna. All right. If you like tuna, this is very good. I don't care for cooked tuna much, but it is, it's good. Okay, keep talking because I'm eating. Yeah, Mike is eating. So, yeah, it's got a nice smoky flavor to it, I would say. Mm -hmm. It has flavor. It's not overly mild, but it's not like pungent, you know, that kind of sharp, fishy flavor you can get sometimes. Okay. And the cracker is just like... (laughs) A saltine. I believe this is not even... uh, Name brand saltine. I believe this is just... It's not an Nabisco saltine. It's an off-brand saltine. So it's basically like it was sailor's hardtack from the 19th century, and he's just loving it. What do you think, Mike? Whereas, um, uh, well, look, I, I'm i not on trial here. Oh, I love all tinned fish. I had, uh, I think earlier today, I had some uh, squid in its own ink. Mm. Just delicious. Mm-mm. So good. Mm-mm. So good. The sauce is a little thicker, had a little more oniony flavor, and then the strong uh, ink flavor. Very good. Very good. All right, so is this, has this won you over? Would you ever buy a can of Ortiz Benito del Norte? Gun to my head, you have to buy a can of tuna. I'd buy this can. Wait, you don't have to, though. That was not part of the deal. Oh. Um, no, I f- wouldn't buy it, but it's good. Like, this is certainly 
the best version of tuna I've had <sighs> from a can. So when you go on the social medias and talk about the tuna you had, what will you, uh, you know, big shout out to uh, the Ortiz brand? I mean, they're doing a good job. And uh, got to say, presentation for the can, lovely. Okay. Very nice looking can. It's not, it, it's not the, uh, you, sometimes you can be fooled by the uh, glass ones where they're packed and, you know, they're sort of uh, vertically packed mm-hmm. in the glass ones. Those, that's a fancy presentation. No, I've never but, seen that. Yeah. No, this is just a good old tin. Looks like a tin fish and tastes like some pretty good tuna. All right. Well. That's a ringing endorsement for me. All right. We'll have to go to their higher end tuna belly, which I had the other night, which is very, very good. Mm-hmm. You might like that. So we'll, we still have a place to go up from here. So. Anyway, I consider this podcast a success, if not this particular segment. Uh, this has been <laughs> this has been like trees walking. I'm Michael J. Nelson. I'm David Berge. So long. Hey.